This episode of the Quest for Quality podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. To receive a special discount code for 15% off of your first order, email tim at inboundpodcasting.com. Welcome, Welcome to the Quest for Quality podcast with keynote speaker, Joe Higgins. In terms of Quest for Quality, this is really about living a quality life, having a quality career. If you always aim for quality in your life, you will almost always find success at some point in the longer term. For decades, Joe, Joe has shared, shared his quest for quality message with thousands of business professionals across the country. Some of you may know our keynote speaker. I would tell you he's a legend in the industry and it's great to see him back with us. I've had the privilege and honor of introducing some very famous speakers to you. They were all great speakers and showed you how a winning attitude brings success. But our next speaker is even better. Joe Higgins has walked in our shoes. Joe's the only speaker in our history that we've invited to talk to us two years in a row. The Quest for Quality podcast presents a universal message under the umbrella of four areas of Joe's unprecedented experience and expertise. Leadership. Building healthy teams. Customer service. Understanding the American economy. I'm trying to let people get that message that it's taken me you know, 40 years to learn. I've had a lot of experience, have gone through major levels of an organization, have trained and worked with and supervised thousands of people over my career and created leaders at, at the Whirlpool Corporation today that are running the company. So hopefully what I bring here in this thing is allowing people to live a better life and a better quality of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Quest for Quality podcast with Joe Higgins. I'm Tim, and we're in the middle of a leadership series with Joe Higgins. And in our last episode, Joe, who was a leader within a Fortune 150 company with Whirlpool for how many years, Joe? For 35 years at Whirlpool, seven years with General Electric. And so now, Joe, in his retirement, you're out speaking uh, throughout the country to various organizations and conventions. And uh, at the time of this podcast recording, you're about to head out to San Antonio to do a, a presentation. I am, yeah. I'll be there uh, most of next week talking to uh, at a convention actually opening and keynoting a convention uh at the uh, marriott in san antonio and the topic will be the american economy i'm talking about the economy 2015 i what i do in that presentation is i project out a year i give the people a one-year look at how our economy is going to be based on our leading economic indicators i'm also giving them a 10-year look based on uh where technology is going to happen over the next 10 years and how that's going to impact our economy i also talk about social trends and the impact that social trends have on our quality of life and Uh, thus on the business conditions for most uh, business people around this country. So for those that have subscribed to this podcast, we thank you. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the series on the economy, just go through iTunes or whatever portal you're listening to this podcast to, and you can click on that one particular episode and get kind of a sample of what Joe talks about with his talk on the economy. Today, we're talking about leadership, one of the many topics you cover as you speak throughout the country, Joe. In our last podcast episode, we were discussing uh, the various resources one can utilize to build their leadership skills. So with your years at Whirlpool, what are some of the most vital skills that, that someone needs to have to lead a large enterprise like Whirlpool. We talked about how to become a leader uh, within oneself, but how about within an organization? Might be tough to navigate something like that. Well, no doubt. And I, I think one of the things that I think is really important for all leaders is a positive mental attitude. And I talk extensively about this, and I have over the years, that uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna run an organization, you have to be upbeat, you have to get your people motivated, they have to be willing to go out and do whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, if if you can't create a positive uh 
you know, mental attitude within yourself where every day you come in and every day is a great day, every day you're feeling good and you're pumping your people up, then you won't make it. You'll fail because uh, what happens in organizations, if leaders aren't uh, optimistic and looking forward and looking ahead to better times, then your people get down and they, they won't work as effectively. And so in my career, in my years at Whirlpool, I tried every day to, you know, to give the message that, hey, we're on the right track, we're going in the right direction. If things were bad, we have to make a, a correction to that, that, but we still go down the path of, uh, of trying to be as successful as possible every single day. I, I, I learned that, <laughs> that uh, this old, the old saying about when I wake up in the morning, if I, if I don't see uh, roses, if I don't see candles or smell roses and I don't have a chalk outline drawn on my body, I know it's going to be a great day. <laughs> and you got to have that kind of an attitude because if you don't, you can't lead without it. Can that be taught? Because you know, I've known you now for about a year and a half or so, Joe, and, and every single interaction that we've had, you just give this positive vibe. Is that something that was learned or something that you think that people are just born with? It's innate. No, I, I think absolutely. I think it's learned. I think when I was a sales guy and I first started in the business, uh, I had a lot of lapses, I think, in my uh, in my daily routine, and I learned through listening to tapes and reading books that you can actually control your mind to be whatever you want it to be. You can decide if you want to wake up in the morning and have a great day, you can decide to have that kind of a day. You can also wake up to be in a really bad mood. This is what I learned when I first started at GE. I had a boss that he would come in some days and be in a really good mood and some days in a really bad mood. When he was in a bad mood, nobody wanted to talk to him, and it could go on for a whole week. And I thought to myself, is that really good leadership? If you're, if you're in a position where your people don't want to communicate with you and you don't know what's going on, does that hurt or help your organization? I found that it really hurt the organization. I didn't like working for them. And, uh, and I said to myself, you know, when I, when I run a business, I'm going to be the kind of guy that people will talk to no matter what time of the day it is, no matter how bad the situation is, that when they call me, they'll always get from me. How are you doing? Is everything okay? Let's, let's find a solution to the problem, not blame you and not bring you down and not try to make you feel bad, but let's find a solution and make things better. And I think great leaders have that capacity to every day bring a very high-level game to their work uh, that motivate people and say, you know what? I want to talk to him. I want to be around him. I want to be next to him. I want to hear what he says because uh, that's what drives people to success. And, and I, I've also learned the opposite. Well, I've had bosses that were very negative. And you don't want to spend any time with them. And you want, to, you want to limit the amount of phone calls you have with them. You know, there's, there's blame. There's the blame game they play and the poor me that they play about, you know, how bad things are for me. I've never liked that. And I know that when I retired, the one thing that stuck out in people's minds as they talked about me at my retirement parties was that I was a positive influence on their lives uh, and on their lives of, uh, you know, their, their families and their businesses and everything else. So it was a very, a very effective way, I thought, to manage a team. Certainly. And in my experience, uh, I found that as a leader, if I were to be um, accommodating and started with something positive and ended with something positive, I always got a better result. And I found that when I had other bosses that I'd worked for that were either negative or positive, I always wanted to do a good job for the guy that was positive. That made me feel better about what I was doing within the organization. I just want, I tried harder for them. Mm-hmm. So now the other side of this, Joe, is would so, what if uh, somebody's listening saying, yeah, it's okay to be the nice guy, but it's easy to get walked on. It's easy to get stepped on when you're nice. Uh, you know, that, that, that forgive, you get a little bit more forgiveness from this guy so I can slack off here. Have you ever p- bumped up against that type of attitude within your organization? Well, you know, I, actually, I, I can't say that I have. I, I'll tell you this, though, that in, when you're in, in leadership position, there are two kinds of uh, authority you have. You have position power where you come in and 
because of the the job title you have, you have a position and you have power as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is personal power. And personal power is when you do a really great job, people respect you, they, they know that you're capable, and they respect you because you have this, this personal ability to lead an organization. Uh, we see that when in organizations where uh, the dad brings in the son that has never had an experience and nobody respects him, nobody likes him. Uh, he has the power because he's the, let's say the dad makes him the vice president of the company. Mm-hmm. He has that power and he can affect people's lives. But if nobody respects you, then you're really not going to be very effective in the longer term. Uh, the ability to do a job, to come in every day and make a difference in people's lives, they'll respect that and they'll work hard for you and they won't walk on you. And if you can, if you have the, if you have the personal power, you can make sure that you correct that behavior as you move forward. So for the college grads who recently started a career in, in, with a big corporation uh, like Whirlpool, or uh, you're, you're saying maybe the first step is just to be positive. What about office politics and you know, all, navigating through that mess there as a leader to try to have the cream rise to the top, not just with your performance, but with your attitude? I'm sure throughout your decades... Uh, with Whirlpool that you've bumped up against something like that oh, as well too. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, you it, when you're when you're running an organization and you're watching the people that are coming up in the organization, you 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 like people that are affecting you in a way that is also very positive. The 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 young the young man, the young woman that comes in in the morning, they always have a smile, they always greet you with hey good good morning Joe. So again, it's the positivity first. It's the first thing you notice about somebody. Mm-hmm. And at, at a company like Whirlpool, we would always give people a goal. We'd give them, we called it a plan. Th- these are your numbers for the year. And we'd get people that would complain about it and, and say, oh, we can't make those numbers. And we'd get others with the same set of numbers that would say, you know what? I'm going to find a way to do this. And uh, you know, I'm going to make this happen. The difference between positivity and negativity shows up your entire career. And once you get labeled as a negative person, again, leaders don't want to be around people like that. And if you get labeled as a positive person and you're always trying to find a way, a solution to make things happen, that positivity shows up maybe more than almost anything else you do. And, and I think the, there was a Harvard study that they talked about the number one characteristic of a great salesperson that really is the, usually the first step in mo- most organizations to get higher levels. Uh, the, the number one characteristic was a positive personality. That's what made you successful because people gravitate to you. They want to be around you. And that's really what creates leadership in the longer term. That seems pretty easy to accomplish because that is something that certainly can be controlled. You know, one of the things I was going to ask you was we talk about leaders. Uh, what are some of the natural characteristics one would have that somebody is thinking, I think I could be a leader within an organization or within my family or any, any type of uh, environment they're in? What are some of the n- things that someone needs to look at within themselves to say, yes, I have this and this is what I need? Well, leaders are normally smart. They have to be if you're going to be uh, having a lot of people work for you. And smart means not just getting A's on your report card, but also means learning how to problem solve. Absolutely. And smart is not just about getting A's. I mean, personalities are broader than that. You have to have interpersonal skills uh, uh, besides being, you know, smart with numbers or smart with facts or being able to memorize things or even be able to talk in front of people. There's a wide variation of skills that are necessary to be a leader in an organization. And mastering each of those is important. I mean, if you go to school and you find that people gravitate towards you, they want to be around you. They want to hang around with you. If you feel like you see people and you can motivate them, if you come up with an idea and people are willing to change based on that idea that you have, those are good signs that at some point you're going to be a leader. And you're always put in places in school where 
you're in a group of five, let's say, that are putting together a presentation. If you're the one that's saying, hey, here's, here's what we need to do. This is what the presentation should look like. And people are listening to you and following you. You probably have the skills. That doesn't mean that you're going to make it. But if you follow the other rules and, and all the other things that are necessary for great leadership, uh, you, you probably have an idea that that's the place to be in the longer term. What about conversely for those that say, you know what? I'm not that person. I'm not that person that would naturally want to propose an idea for fear of it being shot down or judgment, or maybe I don't feel that smart. Don't you feel that people that are in that boat, there's still a way to kind of change their thinking and their process and, and, and the manner at which they strive to become a leader. Well, yeah, and I was that person myself. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. When I uh, when I first started in my career, I hated to go down to meetings. If there was a big meeting, like a convention or something, or even just where there might be 100 people or 200 people in a room, I did not like that situation. And I figured to myself one day, you know what? If I can't do this, if I can't accomplish this, I will never make it in this organization. That was when I was at General Electric. And I decided as a 21-year-old kid that what I was going to do from that point on, I was going to be the first person in every single meeting in the room before anybody else got there. So if the meeting started at six, I'd go down at a quarter to six. And when people came in, I would force myself to greet them. And that was uncomfortable for you? It was very uncomfortable. I did not like it at all. But the more I did it, the better I got at it, the more comfortable I got. And what I didn't know, the unintended consequences of that, is that people at GE started to notice that I was the guy in the room all the time, the first guy that came in. And, and that's ev- not hard to accomplish. <laughs> well, no, that was easy. And, and eventually it, it stuck with me. And throughout my entire career, even, even after I was running the organization, I always made it a point to be the first guy in the room to greet my employees. So originally I was there greeting the, the, the management that might come in, and then I was in greeting my employees. You can learn to find things that, the best way to do it is to find things that you're really uncomfortable with. What is it I don't like to do? Most people don't like to do public speaking. If that's true, then go out and do public speaking. If you don't like to be in groups, go out and put yourself in groups. You only learn and get better when you do the things that are the most difficult for you. So if you say, I don't have these skills, well, then practice and work on those skills. If you're a negative individual, every day wake up and say, this is going to be the best day of my life and go out and do that. And that's where that's where you really get tremendous growth. To just inch your way outside of that comfort zone, and then pretty soon your comfort zone is broader than it's ever been before. Right. You know, there was a great quote by an author, one of my favorite, my favorite authors, Tim Ferriss, says, you can gauge success by the number of uncomfortable conversations you have. And and that's that that's not a negative statement. That's, you know, if I'm if I'm uncomfortable about addressing this problem, instead of burying my head in the sand, I'm just going to address it straight on. Uh, whether it's a conversation or like you said said for somebody who I would assume was shy as a kid uh, to to be the first guy in the room and to greet everybody. Well, that too. And you know, the other thing too, is that the broader you can get your knowledge, uh, the better you're going to be in these kinds of jobs because leaders need broad knowledge. And the more you involve yourself with people and taking on things that you maybe not like, uh, let's say like art or music or something like that, the more you immerse yourself in these various uh, subjects of whatever they might be, the broader you expand your your knowledge base, the more you can talk to people in general. I mean, if you're just if you're just an individual that can only talk about sports, then you're probably not going to make it in the longer term. But if you can talk about a range of subjects, that's what really helps a career in the longer term is knowing, uh, you know, knowing a, a lot of disciplines that can help you make decisions later on in the business. Knowing a little bit about a lot of things that really is helpful. Yeah, and certainly nowadays with social media, it's very easy to get little tidbits and nuggets 
for everything. It's almost like when you prepare to go to a party and you don't really know many people there. So, you know, I'm going to show up in my hip pocket with about five or six different things that I could talk about if the conversation ever hits uh, hits a lull. I'll yeah. find a way to somehow steer it back. Well, a guy wrote a book about that and I can't remember the name of it, but it was about trivia, how Americans are so involved in trivia today. Uh, if you look at the LA Times, uh, there's a headline. Some people read the headlines. And at one point, the LA Times decided to put in a second headline for those people that don't want to go in much depth in terms of what they read. So you read the first headline and then you can read the sub headline and you can pretty much have an idea that there's something going on. But if you really want in-depth knowledge of something, if you're going to learn about something, you got to get below those headlines in the same way in life. If you don't like economics, then you need to listen to economics, read economics, be involved, talk to somebody who talks about economics so you can get that subject. And I would say the same is true in any of the disciplines we have in business as well, whether it's marketing or merchandising or service or you name it, the more you know about all these different subjects, the more successful you'll be. As a matter of fact, what we do with young kids that come in is we put them in different departments so they learn every different aspect of Whirlpool Corporation. So when they're 25, 35, when they get to be 40 years old and it's time for a big job, they know Everything about the company there is to know. And the kids that stay, for example, in marketing, then they don't have near the chances the person that's been in five or six different jobs during the course of their career. To be a high-level executive within an organization. Exactly, yeah. It all boils down to positivity. You don't have to be brilliant to be positive. No, you don't. And you, you, you know that if you're a negative personality, nobody wants to hang around with you. Well, you, you know that. You, you, if you get involved with somebody, have you ever been somewhere and you end up sitting next to the guy that's always down and always saying everything's bad? You don't want to be by that person. Correct. You gravitate and want to be by the person that's cheerful and upbeat and having fun in life and you know looking ahead and, and also that you can learn from because you learn nothing from a person that's negative. And in business, I mean, having that kind of personality, it just makes everything so much easier. <laughs> and so have you seen that throughout your life? And so you're 66 years old. You can look back and say, I've, I've developed friends for decades because of your positivity because I know people that are very negative mm-hmm. and their circle of friends is very small. Right. Looking back on your friendships, have they been around for years based upon your positivity? Yeah. And the one guy I was referencing earlier was this guy, Dennis Riggs, mm-hmm. uh, was a guy that, you know, we played basketball and, and racquetball together and we hung out. We, we, we would hung out, we'd hang out every night just doing four or five hours of sports. And this was the guy that no matter where we would go, he would always talk to everybody. He was positive and upbeat. And even at that time, I mean, I've been a fairly positive person most of my life. But watching him and growing from him and how people like to hang out with him, no matter where we would go, somebody would know this guy and just want to do things for him. <laughs> Were you positive as a child? Uh, yeah, I would say that I was. I was a pretty happy child. My mother used to wake us up in the morning and she would say, you know, my, they called me Joey as a boy. She'd say, come on, Joey, it's time to get up. It's going to be a great day. Something really good's going to happen to you today. And you know, we'd go, what, mommy? What, mommy? And we'd run outside and later on we'd come home and, and uh, she'd say, well, how was your day? And we'd say, well, you know, today we, uh, we uh, found some, you know, ants in the dirt or something. And she'd say, oh, what? I bet you that was really fun, huh? <laughs> or whatever. And we learned, my mom, I think, taught us, even in the situation we were in where we were so poor and she worked like three jobs to, to support the family, we found a way, she found a way to always keep us upbeat and positive. And that's how she was. And she had friends throughout her whole life because of that. People that wanted to be around her and, you know, talk to her and stuff because she was always being positive. And so this is something that you picked up as a kid and maintained throughout your entire life. You were developed that way in spite of the situation you mentioned. You grew up in your family, didn't have a lot of money, right. but yet you were able to maintain that positive your mother was, which right. of course led to you to have great success in your life, both personally and professionally. Do you think that somebody with some 
negative influences in a negative background can somehow make this shift and do that. I mean, it just it's a matter of getting up in the morning and saying, it's going to be a great day. What's something great's going to happen today? That's right. That's right. And I think you can. As a matter of fact, I talk about this all the time, that you can learn to be positive. Uh, you can write a note on your mirror. You can, you know, put it in your car everywhere you go. You can you can put it in your values, whatever you want to do it with. But uh, I know that I, when I used to, <laughs> when I first started my job at with GE, I used to drive into Los Angeles. My first year was a training year. I went through a you know like ten different jobs. They put me through every different job I could have, and I can remember being really negative on the freeway every morning. I'd hit traffic by, by West Covina on the ten freeway, and it used to drive me crazy. I would get mad and angry and. I started to think about that, and I realized that the traffic's always going to be there. It, it had nothing to do with me, and I said, I just have to change the way I see and feel that. And I, I began to learn to use my mind to make me feel better about the outside world. Why, why would I let anybody else influence my day, make me have a bad day? I wasn't going to let that happen. And so every single day, I started to change and started to recognize that it wasn't the traffic. It was me. I'm the one that's reacting to it. And if I just changed the way I felt and believed, uh, I could reverse all that. You know, I learned an interesting lesson. There was a movie uh, called Mask a number of years ago. Very familiar. You remember that one? Yeah, it, it was took a place Cher. in West Covina, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken, or Zuza Cher, area. And yeah. Cher was the uh, the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. The little boy, mm-hmm. he had this horribly yes. disfigured face. Yes. You remember that? I do very much. That's why it was called The Mask. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I remembered was that he had these horrible headaches. And every day he would just suffer from these migraines and his mom would tell him to do this, go inside, lay down and think about a time in your life that was really wonderful when you rode your first motorcycle. Cause I think his dad was a motorcycle, mm-hmm. had a motorcycle, sir. And the boy would do that. And I went back and I read about this story and it was true that he could lessen the degree of the migraine headaches he'd have as a result of this horrible disfigurement and this disease he had by just laying down and thinking about something wonderful in his life. And I learned to do that. I, I talk to audiences and I tell them it's the, it's the 30 second vacation. Close your eyes and think back to one of the best times that you've ever had, no matter what it is. I mean, it might be the day you graduated from high school or college or your first kid or, you know, whatever it might be. Take that 30 seconds and take a vacation. Go to Hawaii if that was your favorite trip or Europe or whatever it was. Take that vacation and you can really take yourself from a level of negativity to a level of positivity. And the other research that has been really recent is that if you just go from a frown to a smile, you feel better automatically and you live longer. People that are positive and upbeat, they live longer. So you add like seven years to your life. That's worth it all in by itself. (laughs) That's right. It all starts with a smile. Thanks, Joe. Well, coming up in our next episode in the Quest for Quality podcast, we'll continue our series on leadership and discuss integrity in leadership and how to successfully navigate up through a large organization with all its potential integral pitfalls and challenges. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Quest for Quality podcast. Of course, it is absolutely free. And if you're interested in contacting Joe Higgins to speak to your organization or at an upcoming convention, Bounce on over to www.q4qwithjoe.com. That's the letter Q, the number four, the letter Q, withjoe.com. Hit the Request Joe button, fill out the form, and we will get right back to you. Thanks again for listening in, and we'll catch you next time for another edition of the Quest for Quality with Joe podcast.